Hello and welcome to the Mental Cast powered by Soul Performance Academy. I am your host, Dan Mickle. The Mental Cast is a monthly podcast and now a vlog dedicated to mental performance training, coaching, and just having some great discussions. The Mental Cast is proud to be sponsored by Soul Performance Academy. Soul Performance Academy can help you get from good to great with great mental performance training programs. Please visit soulperformanceacademy.com for more information and use code podcast for 50% off of any online training that we offer at Soul. All right. We are back on track. You know, we are on season five, episode three. And if you recall, when we started with season five, episode one, we were going to start with fixing Dan and talking about some of the things that I want to change and, and fix in my coaching and my life took a quick break last uh, episode to talk about uh, filling big shoes was episode two. And we did that. We had a lot of questions and some some cool stuff came up. So we kind of broke the trend, but now we're back on it. So we are on part two and it is on empathy. And if you remember in part one back in February or January, uh, I talked about the five pillars and things I'm looking at integrity, empathy, generosity, being, and dependability. And we had talked about integrity in part one. And part two, now I want to talk about empathy. And I think this is a really hard one as a coach, whether you're a corporate coach, uh, a, a private or personal coach, or a coach of an athletic team or a club or even a director like a band director, marching band director, empathy can be really tough. So let's start with just kind of defining empathy and how I'm looking at empathy in this context. And for me, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feeling of others. Um, as a coach, empathy really allows you to put yourself kind of in the shoes of those that you're coaching to understand their experience, their thoughts, emotions, and how they plan and work through things. And it also helps us enable with our uh, students, um, the kids, you know, whoever you might be working with a little bit deeper level and is really critical in creating the success in the relationship between a coach and a student um, or a coach and a client. So so that's kind of what empathy is, and, and that's how I'm using it and the definition that I'm looking at. And the reason that this is important, I, I really started to think about a lot of times we dictate as coaches the environment that we're training in, what the team is like. And while we tend to say we take considerations, you know, the, the makeup of those that are part of the team or part of the program or even the socioeconomic aspects of the area that you're in. I don't know that we actually go deep into that. I think we almost look at it like a data point. This is the income or this is the type of people that we have and this is the type of athlete that we're pulling from. And we just kind of generically, you know, put that across the whole team or the whole program. But we don't really take the time to to really look at the empathy and, and digging in and, and getting that connection with the individuals that make up our team. Um, and that can be tough. Um, I know some coaches don't do it because they're afraid it's going to cloud their judgment. It, it's a little bit harder to make clear-cut decisions or tough decisions when you have that connection. But I feel making that connection is far outweighs that and is much more important than the negatives of it. And, and that's kind of what I've been struggling with. We see all the time 
everyone's worried about the appearance, whether, you know, and we're not talking the extremes, like inappropriate relationships with students at any level. Um, it's not just a youth thing. Um, I, I think there are a lot of lines that can be crossed from a coach and adult client um, that we have to be careful of. But we see so many of the extremes on the news and on social media every day, um, just coaches crossing the line. So I feel like almost the coaching industry as a whole, again, top to bottom, professional to youth, has gone cold in that sense. Like we're afraid to get close to our students. We're afraid to develop those relationships because it can be misstrewed. And even on the the, the non legal and ethical side of it, there's the perception, right? You you end up getting closer with one student over another just because, you know, what they've gone through may have been a shared experience and there's a little bit more of a connection. Then you're going to be accused of playing favoritism with that player versus another. So it can be really hard to be empathetic as a coach because you're afraid of blurring those lines. And again, it's not just the legal and the ethical, it's just the perception. And that can be really tough but again, I think it goes back to done correctly and with the right intentions. I think the benefits of developing those connections is far outweighs the bad side. So that's what we need to look at. How do we get to and how do we have those um, those relations and, and how do we show empathy towards our students as a coach? And I think one of the there's a couple skills and, and we're going to specifically hit on three of them. Um, and, and I think that's a good start, but like anything else it comes down to, it takes time. You, you're not going to be able to just to, to do a skill or a single training session and you're going to have it. It, it takes time to build that trust and to, to really understand it. And for me, and, and again, this whole series was kind of looking at me I didn't want it to be like, I'm just lecturing about these topics. So for me, I started to look back, how did I turn so cold? And, and I don't mean that in a, like a bad way, like I'm, I'm ice cold and, and, and hated or anything like that. It's just, I became very standoffish. Me, me coaching in the nineties versus me coaching now is completely different, both good and bad. I think I've learned a lot technique wise, motor learning wise, obviously the mental side wise, but I, I feel like I've lost that compassion. And I really wanted to explore what's causing that loss or what caused that loss. Was it the fear of, oh, I don't want to look like I have favorites or I don't want to get accused of something inappropriate? Or is it the side that no one really talks about is have I been burned by that empathy? Has someone played on that relationship and that trust and it's just burned me enough that I no longer want to feel that way because I'm afraid as a coach to get hurt? And let's be honest, as a coach, that happens. There's a lot of times that we have worked with players and things just don't work out and and it hurts and it's tough. So the easiest way to avoid that is just to shut off those relationship and not have any sort of empathy or feeling towards our students or even the people we coach against and the people that we coach with. This isn't purely just coach to student. There's a lot of relationships that are involved in coaching. And I think those are some of the things that we have to look at. So when I started to look at it, I luckily I, I think the, the coldness part of it is not what happened with me. I don't believe that I've been burned so many times by players. That I just don't want to get close. I think for me, it was, I didn't want to have that perception of having favorites or I just wanted to make sure that all my decisions could be clear cut and would be fogged up by, you know, relationships and different relationships. And what I realized is beyond 
not having the environment in the gym of having those good relationships, it was burning me out because there was no, there was no real joy in it. I mean, why we coach is there's, there's a couple reasons, you know, you want to give back to maybe the sport or whatever you're doing, you know, what it gave to you. So you want to give back to the community, but the other side is just the joy and happiness that you bring others. And when you turn that faucet off and you, you're no longer looking at, how you're producing joy and excitement with with the next generation and passing it on, you kind of start to burn out because you don't know why you're doing it anymore. And I think that's really what I got to. I realized that I worked so hard to stay neutral and what it really did was end up hurting me in the sense of burning me out and it, it got tough. You know, victories come. You, you know you're in trouble when you have a great winning season and then you have a not so great season but you don't feel different when you're looking at your end of season and you feel the same way there's a problem because you should feel excited about those great seasons and you should feel good about all the work that you put in in the relationships but if you don't and you feel the same way as if you lost and had a losing season there's that motivation starts to go away and, and that's what I was scared of. I didn't want the motivation to go away. I didn't want the happiness. I, I, I love coaching and I love what I'm doing. But I felt like over the last couple and, and couple, I'd say at least six, seven years, maybe more, um, there just felt like something was missing. And, and again, that's what kind of went through this whole Fixing Dan series is I, I don't know that it's just empathy. It's looking at all those. It's looking at the integrity and looking at generosity and being and dependability and everything that we're going to look at. I think it's a combination of all that. But empathy is certainly a big part of it. And I think out of all of the things I'm looking at working on, empathy is probably the one that I need the biggest work on. And not so much because I don't want to be empathetic to my players. It's because I don't know that I know how anymore because I built those walls up to protect myself. And, and, and that's what I'm working on. So I've been really working on it. And so the three areas that I think really help when it comes to empathy and when it comes to coaches, how we're dealing with it are active listening, validating the feelings of our players, and please substitute players with clients, um, you know, whatever you use. It's obviously easier for me just to use the word, you know, athletes or students, because that's mainly what I deal in. Um, so active listening, validating the feelings of our athletes, or our students, and then also asking a lot more open-ended questions. So if, if you're taking notes, those are the three that I'm going to kind of rip into here and talk about. Um, and, and first, just to kind of give an overview of those three and what I'm talking about. Active listening is a key component for empathy. And when we actively listen to our students or our clients, um, we have to pay attention to their words, but we also have to pay attention to their tone of voice, their body language, everything that goes into that conversation. Too many times we get hung up in the words and we're not paying attention to all the other keys and cues that are going around them. And those are huge moments of information for us to pull from that might help in a situation. And it allows us to not just understand what they're saying, but also what they're feeling. And remember, we, we talked about this last season. I can't remember which episode um, about, about emotion is a lot of times when people journal 
And when we don't journal in the moment and we kind of recall it and go back and journal, one of the things that we miss out on is the emotion of the moment. And it may not seem like a big deal, but a lot of what we do is driven by emotion. So when we go back and revisit it days later, it may not feel as big of a deal, but it was a huge deal in the moment. And that's what drove us to those actions. And, and I think that's a lot of the problems that, you know, if you watch any of the crime shows or, you know, you're even in the, the law enforcement or legal field, I'm sure that's a big problem because when you recall witness testimony, it may not seem as vivid. It may not seem as big of a deal when you're recalling it, but in the moment, something could have been a really, really big deal. And that's, what we need to get to. We need to get to the act of listening where we get that emotion and we understand the emotion is playing a part into this conversation. And it shows that we care about our students. Listening to them and actually seeing everything shows. And, and we'll talk about how we do active listening and some of the keys in a little bit. But so that's the first one is active listening. The second one is to validate our students' feelings. Whether we agree with them or not isn't the point at this stage of the conversation we're not trying to discredit them because that's how they feel whether they're right or wrong about a situation that is how they feel and we have to validate and understand that that that's their feelings we don't have to agree with them but making sure that they feel understood and they feel heard is a great way to really start to show that empathy. And again, when we get into the skills and how we break it down, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I think this is one of the parts that we, we skip. We are so quick to try and tell a student what they're doing wrong or why it's not working that we don't take the time to listen to why they're feeling that way or understanding why they're feeling that way. And instead of changing, hey, you need to do it this way, we can maybe take a step back and say, okay, well, why are you thinking of it this way? And that could change how you teach and how you educate your students and your athletes, um, you know, other coaches, whoever you're having dealing with. But it's essential that we let those people know that we're working with, that we understand their feelings. Again, we're not saying, hey, I agree with what you're saying. We're just saying, I understand where you're coming from. I understand what you're feeling. That's the second step. And then the third step seems kind of simple, but I don't think we do enough of it is we just have to make sure that we ask a lot of open-ended questions and, and get rid of the yes or no. And this, the reason we want to do this is because it opens them up. It's going to share more of their thoughts and more of the feelings. With the yes and no, you're almost just going to get the analytical answer. This is the problem. This is what we're doing. But you're not going to get the actual, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to get the actual feelings and emotions behind everything. And, and that's what we have to look at. We, we have to make sure that we're bringing that in. Because, again, emotions are a huge, huge part of what we do as coaches. I would say it's almost next to the actual specific skills needed for your task. I think emotions are probably the biggest things that factor into the success of a student or an athlete or a team is, is the emotions. So those are the three parts I think, I mean, and there's also, there's a lot more that we could talk about in, in empathy and, and how, but what I want to work on are, are these three things. How am I active listening? 
Am I validating the feelings? And am I asking open-ended questions? Now, again, I'm not saying that as coaches we're giving up control and everything has to be a discussion, but I think there's a lot of times that things can be avoided. It certainly is beneficial when dealing with parents or other stakeholders. I think a lot of times we are quick to jump to the data and the facts that we forget about the emotional side. We forget that parents are paying thousands of dollars for their kids to play sports or they're investing hours and hours and hours of not only their kids' time but their time driving and showing up and going to events. That the emotional you know part of it is huge. But I think as coaches, we quickly want to get to the analytics. Well, this is why they're not getting playing time, or this is why we're making this decision and, and why we're doing it. But we're not taking into the fact that there's a lot of other factors that go into it. All right. So let's start with diving a little bit deeper into the active listening component of things. All right. So active listening. What are some of the steps that we can do as coaches for active listening and listen you all know that i love doing these vlogs and podcasts off the cuff but this is a lot of information so i am using a little bit of my cheat sheet of notes that i took so i am sorry also working with the new camera placement so there's a lot going on here so i ask for your grace a little bit but let's dig into it so how are we better at active listening as a coach and i think the most obvious way and number one list is we, we need to pay attention. We need to make sure that we're focusing on the words, the tones, the body language, everything that's going on. But we need to pay attention when we're having that conversation. We need Step two is we need to remove all distractions. So try and get out of your situation. Like If you're an athletic coach and you're in the gym, try to step out of the gym somewhere where it's quiet and you can have that conversation without all the other things going on. Um, turn off your phones, put it on silent, um, you know, close your laptop lid, whatever you're doing, but, but try and clear distractions because not only is that going to help you become an active listener, it also signals to the person that you're talking with that you're taking it serious and, and going to be listening to them. Show interest. Um, visually, maybe nodding your head and agreeing or just letting them know that you're listening interjecting, you know, short little verbal cues like, yep, yes, uh-huh, you know, whatever's comfortable. It, it shouldn't be out of your language, so it seems awkward. But just giving little, you know, verbal cues will help you show interest, but showing interest and, you know, not like, oh, here we go, another meeting or another I have to talk about. You know, generally, genuinely be interested in what the person is saying that you're working with. Four is don't interrupt. Do your best just to let them finish speaking before you respond. Even if there's key points, maybe there's something that brought up that's completely wrong and your instinct right away is to correct them. Let them finish and don't interrupt them. Just just let them go, let them finish and and you know, kind of gather all the information cuz we'll in a couple steps we'll talk about, you know, if something pops up that you think isn't true or incorrect and, and how we handle that. So that's step four is, is don't interrupt. Step five is ask for clarification. If there's any part of anything they said, before you start to have this conversation or have your reply, ask for any clarification. If there's something you didn't understand or maybe you're not sure of the context or the scope of what they're talking about, ask for that clarif clarification. Instead of just trying to guess and figure it out, just ask. Hey, you mentioned so-and-so, but I'm just un unsure what you mean by that. Can you 
dive deeper into that. Or, hey, you mentioned this, but this is what I think of when I hear that. Is that the same or are we talking about something different? Okay, so ask for that clarity. Sixth is paraphrase, and, and this one is huge. Repeat back what the person has just told you, but paraphrase it. That way they understand both that you comprehend and understand what they're saying, but you are actually listening to them. You know, maybe you can just say, okay, so what you're saying is we need to work on this, or so if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is you're struggling in and then repeating and going through and shows them again that you're paying attention and that you're listening to what their message is. So that's number six is paraphrase. Number seven is um, emphasize. Try to see the situation from their perspective and empathize with their feelings. And, and this obviously is where it ties into the empathy and the whole concept of this episode. But instead of just jumping right into, well, this is why we do it or this is why you're wrong, take a moment and look at, okay, why are they coming from this standpoint? What would make them feel this way and what might be, you know, adding to this? What am I possibly missing from my view or the analytic side of things? And, and what are they bringing in um, that might be, you know, skewing their perspective or solidifying their perspective? It may not be a bad thing. But again, I think too many times we look straight at the numbers or directly what we're thinking, and we don't take the time to think about where they're coming from. Why is this a big deal to them now? Um, why are they bringing it up now? You know, why are they feeling so strongly about this? And we need to take a moment and stop and look at that. And then the last one is just avoid judgment. Avoid jumping to the conclusions right away that they're wrong or making assumptions about the situation. Keep the open mind until you hear the whole story and you also add into it their emotional and you emphasize, you know, empathize with it. And just avoid making that judgment until you have all those complete pieces. Again, a lot of times we go into these discussions that become arguments because we're just waiting for them to stop talking so we can prove our point and why they're wrong. And, and that's not helpful to anyone. You're just trying to win an argument versus trying to teach someone or trying to sway them to your side. So you wanna make sure that you just take the time, don't jump in that judgment, have an open mind with it. If you're, if you're willing to have that conversation and talk, then why not be willing to do it with an open mind, at least hear what they say. All right, so for the active listen, listening piece, those eight components are pay attention, remove distractions, show interest, don't interrupt, ask clarifying questions, paraphrase, empathize with them and then avoid judgment. So those are the, the key components I think you should look at when, when you're active listening. And right away when I go through this list, I'm thinking about what I'm trying to change with me and how I'm trying to get better. There are a few that I get into. And one of them is the paying attention piece. And it's not because I don't wanna be there. It's because my mind starts going and thinking about how I need to fix this or what did I do wrong or how can I get this person on the same page that I end up missing a lot of what they're saying because I've already started to try and fix it. So for me, part of paying attention is just pumping the brakes and slowing down and saying, okay, I, I need to wait until I get all the facts and wait until I hear the whole story and then start to work on it. That's probably a big one. And the other one is just removing distractions. You know, it's tough when you're a coach and you're in a gym and you're trying to do a million things and someone wants to talk to you. You just, your instinct is, okay, hey, let's just do it here at the side of the court. But the best option is, hey, let's go out in the hallway where it's quiet, sit down, get to eye level, and, and kind of talk about it. I think I do a good job of not interrupting 
and clarifying things. And I do think I empathize um, pretty well with my players and my students. Um, and even the avoiding judgment, I think, is is a good one where I, I'm pretty good at. But but I really do think the paying attention and the the removing distractions are, are huge for me. And, and those are what I have to work on. All right. So we now go from the act of listening into how do we validate the feelings and there's a lot to this and and this isn't validating their feelings doesn't mean that you're agreeing it doesn't mean that you're giving in to anything it just means that you're listening and you're going to understand why they have those feelings again whether you agree with them or not is not the point the fact is you're recognizing that they're having those feelings so step one is let's acknowledge their emotions um, when when an athlete or a student or a client expresses those emotions, acknowledge it. Um, you know, if if a player saying, "Man, I really feel frustrated," respond with, "Hey, look, I see that you're frustrated, so let's talk about it." Or, "It looks like you're getting a little bit upset, so let's take a minute and talk about it." Or even in general, look, I, I realize this is really emotional for you. So let's take time and, and, and sort through this. But recognize that you understand that emotion is a part of it. And, and you can bring that into the conversation. We don't have to avoid it. We don't need to be like, okay, calm down. Just calm down. I mean, has that ever worked? Have you ever been so you know freaked out or stressed out and someone's like, hey, just calm down? Yeah, that works. That's like telling someone with anxiety, hey, just stop worrying. Right? It's ridiculous to think that way. So acknowledge the emotions. And, and let them know that you acknowledge it. Validate it. So so once you've acknowledged it, validate it. So again, you might say, hey, look, I completely understand why you might be frustrated here. Or, hey, look, I understand why you're angry, but let's talk it out more. All right, so after we acknowledge it, we validate it. Because part of the problem or part of the situation can also be that the person that's having this moment realizes they're emotional and then they start to feel like well am i crazy because i'm emotional am i out of line for being emotion you know we can't ask our players and our students to be on the court or on the field or you know wherever they may be and, and show passion and be dedicated and have emotion but then the minute when they have a bad emotion we expect them to like just stop you can't have an emotion it's bad we can't have it both ways we can't ask and, and praise and want the good emotion and then act like the bad emotions never happen or try to suppress them. We need to take them head on. So we acknowledge them and then we validate them. And then we go into showing the empathy. You know, look, I can imagine how frustrating this is um, to be experiencing this. I definitely want to help you work through this. Let's talk about it. All right. So we've gone from acknowledging the emotion to validating the emotion to now empathizing with it. Hey, look, it's okay to be really frustrated right now. You're learning something new. I went through it as well. Let's see how we can work on it. And I think adding that part into it anytime when, when you're coaching or, you know, you're working with a student, letting them know like, Hey, I struggled with this too. You know, last year, we, my team, we talked a lot about mental health. And the, the subject 
and the attitude really changed when I told the team, like, look, I struggle with anxiety and the depression and everything that you're going through. I struggle with it, too. So I understand where you're coming from and let's work on this. But until I told them about, you know, and, and I'm not going into deep personal, well, this is what I'm anxious about and this is what, no, but it was just like, them like, hey, I go through these struggles too. So many times players think of coaches as a robot or just this complete dictator with no emotion. Showing them that you have emotion and showing the empathy on that is going to go a very long way for you. All right. Step four is don't dismiss the emotion. Just avoid dismissing it and and don't avoid talking about the emotion. Again, a lot of what we do is driven by emotion, so it's okay to talk about it. Focus on understanding why they're having this emotion. Why are they so angry? Why are they so anxious? You know, as a mental coach, one of the things that I always get approached about is anxiety, like performance anxiety for youth players. And one of the first questions I ask is, okay, I don't want to dismiss the anxiety, so let's talk about the anxiety. And we really talk about what's causing it. Is it, you know, fear of letting your teammates down, fear of disappointing your parents, fear of disappointing your coach? Because how we work on that then is completely different. You know, a, a player that's afraid of letting down his team, we work on it differently than we do a player that's afraid of letting his parents down. But if we don't take the time to talk about those emotions and those anxieties and those things going down, we don't ever really get to that point. So we want to make sure that, you know, it's okay. We have that safe place to talk about these emotions and, and kind of what's going on through their head. So that was the fourth one. The last one is use reflective listening. And that really just involves paraphrasing what they've said. And for example, saying, it sounds like you're feeling really overwhelmed right now. Am I reading that correctly? Or, hey, it just appears like you're really upset with what's going on. Is that where you're at? Can we talk about this? So the reflective listening is just saying, I hear you. And I understand, or at least I think I understand what's going on. And is that correct? And again, that's showing empathy to them because then they're like, he is listening or she is listening to me. And it starts to let them put that guard down a little bit because they feel like you, you're actively listening. You're validating their feelings. And then the last part is just ask open-ended questions. Begin with the what or the how instead of the why or do you. You know, keep it simple, concise. We don't need big lectures. We don't need long questionnaires. Just ask very precise, open-ended questions. The key, though, is make sure that you avoid leading questions. Don't ask them questions where you're kind of leading them towards an answer. There, there's a time and place for the Socratic method and teaching, and, 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 that, and I, that is definitely my style. But when we're talking about empathy and emotional health and even emotional intelligence we need to make sure that we're not driving it with with leading questions trying to get them to go in a certain direction by the questions that we ask we want it to be free-flowing open and on their terms um for example you can ask can you tell me more about that you know someone said like i'm just really frustrated with this team all right i understand that can you tell me a little bit more about it 
instead of saying, okay, do you want to leave the team? That's a yes or no, right? So dig a little bit deeper, ask that open-ended question and, and, and use follow-ups like that. Can you tell me more? Okay, I understand that you don't like your role on your team. We can work on that, but can you tell me a little bit more about where you feel you're being misused or where you think you can contribute a little bit more? Again, getting them to open up. It's, it's, it's not just to avoid the yes or no, but it's also to get them opening up and creating more dialogue and getting more information so you can make a better decision as a coach or an educator or as a leader, just getting more information. Obviously, when it comes to asking open-ended questions, just make sure you're active listening. You know, it goes back to our, our main point. And this last point for open-ended questions pretty big is make sure that you keep the focus on your client. Don't start to diverge and make it about you or your experiences. Make sure you keep the focus on your client. All right? So... Open-ended question, six tips. Begin with what or how. Start with what, how, instead of why or do you. Two is keep it simple. Three is avoid leading questions. Four is use follow-up questions. Five is listen actively. And six is keep the focus on the student, the athlete, or the client, and not yourself. So, so that's... That's the path that I'm working on. I, I, I really think um, active listening is where I, I do well, but I think there's components of the active listening that I need to do better. And I, I feel like I do a good job of validating feelings, but I think the open-end question is interesting because I think a lot of times I'm so anxious to help someone and get them from point A to point B that I purposely do close ended questions to try and get them there faster instead of getting more data and figuring out what what may be the best for them. So I think that is is really a big, big push. And again, I, I don't know that I'm doing this series like, hey, this is how you should be a coach. Again, I, I did this theory, this I'm doing this series because I really feel like um, I can do better. I, I, I'm not egotistical. I think I am a good coach, but I think I can be a lot better. And to do that, I have to self-reflect. I have to look back and I have to look at what my pillars are, what drives me, and maybe how I can be better at those pillars. So, you know, integrity, empathy, generosity, being, and dependability are mine. And, and I think this empathy one is the one where I need the biggest work. I think I, think I know the concept and I know how I want to be and how I want to show that empathy, but I think I need to fine tune how I'm actually doing it and delivering it to be more effective than where I'm at. All right, I hope this helped you out. This has been episode three of season five of the Mental Cast by Soul Performance Academy. As always, you can email us any of your questions or comments to podcast at mentalcast.com. You can reach me across all social media at Real Dan Mickle, or you can reach Soul Performance Academy at 717Soul on all social media. And again, please like, share, comment. Let's have discussions. Let's open this up. Coaches, feel free to share any of this with your team or your staff or administrations and parents. 
Um, I'd love to get your comments on a lot of this. You guys are stakeholders in everything that we do, and you do have a voice. So again, feel free to comment, share, like. I would love it if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, it's at 717Soul. It's Soul Performance Academy on YouTube. Um, but feel free to subscribe. But would love to have you follow and, and join this ride on all our social media. Again, peace, much love, and don't suck. And, of course, one day one. It's either day one or one day your choice. But I will see you back here next month for part three, which will be generosity of fixing Dan. Thanks. See you all later.